Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Andrew. And I'm Emily. And today, there's nobody else. So you're stuck with the two of us. Strap in. It's going to be uh, a ride. Right. I can't say it's going to be a wild <laughs> ride. It's just going to be a ride. <clears throat> For all of you Cincinnatians, is it going to be Beast, Son of Beast, or Beastie? <laughs> and now things have already gotten cryptic and you've lost half the audience. That's a lie. That would be that would be saying half of our audience is Ohioans. Uh, not insignia. Yeah, that would be so like saying that it's more closer to like Washingtonians. I just don't know. So at Kings Island, the theme park where I went to a lot as a kid, and where I um, Ohio has islands. We have theme parks. Um, and that, that Kings is Island. that sounds so. It's called Kings Island, but it's not an island. In the middle it's of like, one it's of like, them, um, it's like a it's. I don't know. It feels like an island because it's it kind of has that vibe. And right across the street from it was a water park called the Beach. Um, but that's getting like so. Uh, what there kind were, of a Ponzi scheme is this? This is so misleading. There were three roller coasters at Kings Island. Uh, the Beast is the most famous roller coaster um, for a long time. I think it was the longest, tallest, fastest wooden roller coaster. And uh, R.L. Stein, who wrote Goosebumps, wrote uh, a couple books about the Beast, the ride, the Beast. Um, and then there was the Beastie, which was like the little kids' roller coaster in the Hanna Barbera. Right, you land. gotta change up the name for variety's sake. So Beastie, and then this is where it got confusing. They did Son of Beast because you would think that the Beastie would be the kid and that the Beast would be the adult, right? No, Son of Beast was the first wooden looping wooden roller coaster. And I will tell you, I have never been in more pain on a roller coaster than riding the beast. So let me get this. Let, let me get this straight. So first of all, they lie to you that it's on an island, and it's clearly not not on an island. Which means they've got some making up to do just from the moment you walk in, and then you walk in, and their naming convention for the roller coasters is just abysmally unforgivable. And then the roller coasters themselves suck. Whoa! Whoa! Whoa, you did not just say that about the Beast. The Beast is uh, awesome. Son of Beast is the, also cool. But also, but okay, so Son of Beast, since it had the loop, the loop was actually made of steel because physics. And um, But everything else, just like, I think the speed you had to get with the momentum to do the loop, it made, it just was a very shaky, rattly ride, which is really common for wooden roller coasters, but just because it had that extra level of like, brr. Um, and then Son of Beast, actually, a couple of the wooden beams broke while it was being ridden. Nobody got severely hurt, um, but I think some people did get, like, some bruising and contusions and things like that. And they right, right. I, 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 I get the picture. I'll, I'll go ahead and apologize for calling it a bad roller coaster. Clearly, I was in the wrong year. <laughs> it was a Son of Beast was not a good idea. Beast is awesome. I will stand by it. I mean, I, I some of my favorite moments from uh, like my teenage years were uh, working at the theme park and then staying a little bit late and uh, getting to ride some of the rides after hours. And you would just like they would let you ride them like three times. <laughs> it was so great. Yeah, I don't know. I, I maybe I'm just a snob because I grew up in Southern California and I got to go to Six Flags in Valencia. Now, Six Flags, okay, here's the thing. Six Flags is a parking lot 
With roller coasters, King's Island was a theme park more in the vein of Disney that had different areas that were themed, like the old Wild Western area, the Action Zone, like the Carnival area. So it was like more of like a magical kind of experience versus like like it wasn't a like it wasn't built for roller coaster enthusiasts. Yeah, and, and you see, that's where I get lost with theme parks. Like Disneyland is so boring. I don't like it. I've been twice. Have you been with your kid, though? Yes. I ended up oh. coming up with an excuse. Like, I think he's tired. I'll go take him. Like, oh, you know what? Maybe I should just take him back from her early bedtime. I'm just going to leave now. Bye, guys. Oh, I disagree. I like Disney World. I mean, I did Disney World, not Land. And I even like Epcot a lot. Yeah, uh, I've only... So I did Disney World, and then I did California Adventure the second time. And the first time, my complaint was, like, where's the roller coasters? Like, this is... This doesn't count. This is barely a ride. This isn't a roller coaster. I would say they're probably more roller coaster rides that are like actual roller coasters that enthusiasts would enjoy at Kings Island versus uh, a Disney World now that I think about it. But then we went to California Adventure the next time a couple years later and they're like, oh, well, there's the big roller coaster. I think it was called California Adventure. I honestly don't remember. And I remember waiting in line for like an hour and 15 minutes for this thing. And that sounds right. That sounds it, like a waiting for a roller coaster, yeah. Well, it was just not a good roller coaster. Oh, <laughs> but because I, so I grown up going to Six Flags like every year or two, I've been a whole bunch of times. I've been on most of the rides at this point, um, and oh, this is great! It's like they the first my first time going was, um, they had a homeschool day, and yes, I was homeschooled at one point in time. And so you had to sign up and prove that you're homeschooled in the state of California or whatever state you lived in. And then um, they had a limited number of entry. So I remember going and first of all, it was strange that I was the only, I didn't get the overalls memo, uh, which is fine. But everybody else in the park was wearing overalls. kind of meh. Uh, but there's like as dorky as everyone there was, there wasn't that many people and there wasn't lines. So my first experience at a theme park was like, we're going to do this again. Like we would like several of the rides, we would just like get done with it. Look at the conductor and there'd be no line. He's like, you want to go again? I'm like, yeah, I want to go again. Let's go upside down five times and puke. See, that's a good time. No, I agree. I agree. I can agree on things. Um, all right. Well, now that I'm done being a prick and lambasting your childhood, What's new this with you? Is not a ro- this is not a roller coaster podcast. Thank you for asking what's new with me. I think one of the things I'm most excited about that's new with me is the Fire Fuzz by Dogman Devices. Uh, if you're listening and don't know what Dogman Devices is, please check out our episode with Leanne Skiles from Dogman. And it did you watch the demo on the, the Fire Fuzz? I did it on guitar and bass. I am going to. It's gnarly and it's handsome. Like I really is like it hot. Hot. It's really cool. It's so um, hot. He he. This so I know that for this batch of fire fuzzes, he was um like hand doing the uh, the enclosures, like writing VTF or volume tone fuzz, the name, a little design. Uh, so I think he's. He's going to do these for a while, but I think he's also looking into less labor intensive and thus less expensive options uh, for upcoming Fire Fuzz runs. Last I checked, he only had three left in stock. I don't know if I'll have any left in stock by the time this episode 
drops. But I like I really liked it on guitar. But man, I think this is going to be the inaugural pedal for my baseboard. Nice, nice. Yes, yes. I'm going to shape a whole tone range around around it, and I'm very excited. Well, very cool. I I would also be excited if I had wood. Um, I should probably buy one before they all disappear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I also want to try out his um. He I know he's working on an overdrive or has some overdrives, and uh, he's got that feedback looper, the Ouroboros. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like we might have talked about that last week. Chances are likely. Yeah. That sounds that sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. Also exciting, I have the uh, the Automatone uh, preamp Mark II from Chase Bliss Audio. What? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And let me tell you, those flying faders are lit- as cool as you would think that they would be. I mean, we've already established that. I was impossibly wrong when I went to Nam and said it was going to be the year of orange. And instead, it's the year of the fader. Yeah. And makes, I it's just so true. Because uh, I have the Fault V2, which has the faders, and the Automaton has the faders, and possibly one that's hiding behind my um, lighting rig. So not only are you getting faded with the auto- Automaton, but you're also getting flying faded, which I'm sh- I'm sure that's like illegal in some states. I don't know about you, but did you ever like watch like a movie or TV show that just maybe had like some cutscene to like a studio for some reason, and it had the flying show the flying faders? No, I remember the first time I saw like a video of flying faders, and I, it might have been a documentary or something, but I think that really transformed me. Like it was, I don't know why, it, like I didn't know what a recording console was. But I saw it and I was like, that might be the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And now I have a product that has flying faders. And I, I think that, like, eight-year-old me would be so stoked for 31-year-old me. Yeah, I think first time I saw flying faders is I had just moved to Germany. And we were visiting a church. And I was like, I would run the sound at my last church back in California, um, which is just like a Mackie analog console setup. Uh, and so we, we went to go visit this church. I wanted to go check out the soundboard. I'm like, oh, I want to see what they're doing. And I saw the flying faders. And I'm like, wait a minute. We're at a church. There's no witchcraft allowed here. <laughs> I was really it thrown is, off it does by seem it. Like, it does seem like witchcraft. Uh, I mean, it probably is. You, you really don't, unless you're an electrical engineer and can prove it, you just have to be, go on faith that it's not. I know that, like, traditionally, like, flying faders are a little bit prone to, to malfunctioning or breaking, but... Um, I'm sure that's also dependent on the the quality of your flying faders. Like, are they Boeing? Then they're definitely going to malfunction and fall out of the sky. But... Aww. Sorry, I thought that, <laughs> thought that joke was going to fly. Oh, no. People died, Andrew. People died. A lot of people died. And then they found out after the fact that Boeing was lying about all kinds of stuff in their internal reviews and basically saying, oh, yeah, that looks good after not actually inspecting anything. And then the CEO had to quit, like like in disgrace, was more or less fired after saying, I don't want to quit. I'm going to bring this company back. And the board of directors is like, yeah, I don't think so, dog. And then. They had to stop their production, and it literally brought down the U.S. GDP one entire percent. That's an entire percent for just one product. Anyways, 
Wow. This is what that happens is, when I listen to NPR. I didn't, I didn't realize all of that. Thank you for explaining that. Not that's, that, kind that of, that's what our I audience came bad. to listen for. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, so back to flying faders. <laughs> right, flying faders. Um, so the, uh, the automaton... Yeah, the Automaton Mark II is based on the original pre- Vincent preamp circuit. So I got to do a video of, uh, I had took my, my Vincent preamp, took the Automaton, took your ABY switcher you loaned me, um, and uh, compared them. And I, yeah, I think that if you love your Vincent preamp and don't want to get rid of it, but also love the Automaton, that you should know that you're going to get, you have those tones available and it's it's all still there it sounds great i think and then you have so much more though i did get mad at uh, i shouldn't say i got mad someone left a comment on my comparison video where they said that um since the mids were i had just had them pushed to the bottom uh of of the, the the faders pushed down um because on the automaton uh the mids are optional and you have to hit those arcade buttons to place them as either before or after the Benson oh, preamp circuit. And let me tell you, like, especially with the fuzz, if you put the mids after and get that frequency range just right, it sounds insane and so cool. And I really like it. Um, but uh, the guy said that since I had the mids in the quote cut position instead of in the middle, that uh, it was a flawed, <laughs> it was a flawed demo. And I'm like, this this is a person who read the first page of the manual, but not the second page. <laughs> Don't get me started on reading manuals, <laughs> dude. So I was I kind of politely responded, "No, actually, I didn't have the mids on at all. I think I mentioned that in the video, and then I quoted the manual, and then he deleted the comment." I was gonna say I'm looking at the video, and the comments no longer. He deleted the comment in shame. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, like, and I just want to say this, like. Everybody's wrong sometimes. I'm wrong a lot. I must speak in the demos a lot. So it's possible that sometimes I, I do things that are, you know, not correct. And people correct me in the demos. Like, it's fine. It's cool. You have to accept when you're wrong. And then if you're wrong, I think that it <laughs> the what you should do is say, oh, my bad. And then move on. It's not, it's nothing bad. Being wrong I mean, is not I- bad. There's nothing wrong with like saying comment like actually like I actually don't really think that's an issue for for YouTube demos and stuff like by all means that's what the comment section are there for uh, but if you get called out and you can't uh, end up entirely wrong don't delete the comment come on that's comedy gold for the rest of us that you're depriving <laughs> us of I think that's where the crime is here yeah or just like read the whole manual before you try to correct somebody I mean that's just that's just the gear world and it's so funny. Nah, that's and also, the, that's that. It's also a little bit being a woman. I'm pretty used to it. You mean you're gonna tell a man to read the directions? Yes. I'm gonna Come make on. It. High expectations. Unless that man was my lab partner in science class in high school, in which case I tried so hard to get him to read the directions, and he just never did. So. My lab partner oh. just dropped acid on uh, lab days, so that was always exciting. Wow! Wow! Uh, All the, right, he, you win. <laughs> it was great actually it was actually great fun because the day that we did the whole like let's burn all these chemicals and record what colors they make and then that was where you learned how to build fireworks kind of a thing my lab partner was just on a different planet and just seeing like animals and butterflies and stuff come out of the flames and we're like dude keep it down but this is also really funny so keep 
tell us what you're seeing, but just don't say it loud enough for the teacher to realize you are tripping balls. (laughs) On lab day. That's Oh, it was great. Oh my God. Insane. Wow. Good for, good, good for him. Her. Good for her. Oh, that's even better. Damn it. That would have been such a good opportunity for that Lucille Bluth meme. Good for her. <laughs> it was, it, it, it was a day. Um, this was an AP chemistry too. <laughs> Whoa. Well, you know, maybe she knew something the rest of us didn't. Probably. I don't know. She's brilliant. I actually don't know what ended up happening to her. I, well, well, she's probably sure doing, she's doing very fine. well. I'm sure. She, I hope she's happy. Probably very well adjusted. Yes. Uh, so that's that's basically what's new with me. Other than like I've been trying to to work my way through all the pedals you loaned me, and I had my little rat party yesterday, which was the other day, which was fun. After rat I attack. It out. Rat attack. Do you remember that I'm band? Spying on my range, I'm still just rat in the cage. Sorry. Yeah, but um. I know you watched that one because you you talked about it. Uh, I watched chunks of it, yeah. Yeah, and I mean it was it was long. Uh, all, all I know is that I'm suddenly a couple suddenly things. Want your is, rat back? Well, I want my rat back, and I'm also regretting having it on my like it sounds so good on bass, but it also sounds so good on guitar. And I don't know, I I just want a second one so I can have one on each board. You mean like maybe a DRV? I mean. I, so here's the thing. I want to crowdsource an orange DRV. I want uh, the listeners of the show to band together to get you an orange DRV for your birthday. That's my goal. So like, I love how like absolutely disgusting the, the original rat is or the rat two that I have. And it's got like this irreverent lack of clarity that just somehow sounds sludgy, but like in a good way, not like in a, Wow, is this a can of bees? Like, no, it's like a really solid, uh, really solid sound. But the, there's something about the way that the DRV takes it uh, into the level of like it adds some clarity. It's not quite as sludgy, but it's still got that grit to it. Mm-hmm. That just sounds so good on guitar. Yeah, I really think that the DRV is in every way. Like, it, it's not another rap. It, it doesn't stray to, it's like still a, definitely a rat when I sit down and listen to it and it responds like a rat and, but it, it, it improves those little couple of things that just take it from like, this is just awesome. I'm going to crank this up to 10 to like, oh, this is musical. I'm not just yes. like destroying my sound, but like yeah. I can do something inspiring with, oh, that's all. I, I could do something inspiring with the rat too. It's just, it's a different, different playing field with just a couple of tweaks and I'm, beyond impressed with how good it is even after years after having played it yeah it's a great pedal um yeah so that kind of brings us into what's new with you what's new with me is uh i i have fallen i have fallen for one of the classic blunders the first of which is to never get involved in a land war in asia uh Mm -hmm. the second of which is uh, never expect that you're going to keep your board in one piece after you custom solder all of your lengths yeah, yeah. Every time I see somebody do that, like, or say that their board is done, I'm like, mmm. So, like, I'm happy with this build, and that's the frustrating. Like, I, so I haven't actually changed anything. I'm just getting that itch to be like, I don't know, maybe it's time to change something, you know? 
kind of spice <laughs> things up a little bit here. Especially with the quarantining and like you're home a lot more, so you're looking at it a lot more. But um, so like one the one thing I'm probably going to change at some point is I've got the uh, the expression pedal on there, which is great, and I've got that controlling my avalanche run. It gives me a couple of fun options, which I think yeah, is I love great. Doing that with the avalanche run, totally. Uh, but I've got this the. I would say big expression pedal. It's still the DOD mini, so it's still pretty small, but it's a very, my board build is very compact. So I could swap that out for um, my boss PN2 and have that um, tremolo pan at the end of my signal chain. That could be super fun, but then I don't have the expression control and uh, something like, uh, like a release announcement. So it's not released yet, but an announcement for a new EHX pedal kind of caught my eye. And it was like a, uh, it's a CTRL or, they, I think they spelled it CTRL, even though control, like on your keyboard, is. Wait, they spelled it differently than how control on the keyboard is spelled. I think. Um, I think they spelled it C N T L, which feels weird. Oh. Anyways, basically, it's like a just a. It's oh, exp- they call it C N T L. That is. Kind of strange. Um. But no, it's a cool little utility pedal. It could ostensibly replace the expression pedal, and it gives you a preset, like, where's your heel down, where's your heel up kind of a thing, which I think is cool. I wish it was passive, but I also, like, I'm looking at it going, this can't be hard to build. So I might, part of me, like, wants to just order a couple parts and see if I can't make something work, Um, see if I can't figure out how to make one for myself. It's also, it's only going to be 40 bucks too, which is almost like, it would be cheaper to buy it myself, and if I didn't like the way it looked, I could just rattle can it. Yeah, it really is, like, for 40 bucks. I mean, I don't know if you can really buy the enclosure wholesale for... I don't, think you could, I don't know if you could buy all those parts for 40 bucks, and it certainly wouldn't be worth your time for 40 bucks. Probably not. I don't know. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I actually need to step out of the room for just a second. I'll be right back. Okay. So for those of you, I don't, I don't really remember how much Andrew just said about the the pedal while he's gone, but it's it's a very small, it's like a mini mini pedal size. It has two little settings, so essentially it's it's like an A B switcher for expression controls in a pedal, and I think that could be really really cool. Like, um, I think it would essentially just be like adding another preset versus like having expression control that you're sweeping. So, I mean, unless you're sweeping for, like, changing the, the the time on the avalanche run, or if you if you have it, like, set up to the gain of the iridium, just striming iridium, just, like, going from a low gain setting to a high gain setting really quickly uh, in between them, I think that could be really, really neat, um, neat to have. So it just really depends, I think, on how people use their expression pedals. But I, I think it's smart. Um, I'm, I don't really understand why it's not passive, but I'm sure there are reasons. And if you're listening to this and you know why it can't be passive or why it shouldn't be passive, um, like other expression pedals are, uh, we have a Facebook group, get, uh, if you just search get offset podcast, um, on Facebook, we have a Facebook group, check out the group join i do a visual thread for every single episode um unless my life is just in shambles at that that week um and uh yeah so join it 
check out the thread and tell me why. Tell me why this is a good idea, a bad idea, why it's not passive. I'm really curious uh, about it. Actually, I wonder if it looks like, so obviously it's not passive because there are LEDs in it. Um, let me look. The the pedals, expression one knob, selects the first expression setting to the second. On both fully, fully counterclockwise uh, corresponds to the heel position, while fully clockwise to the toe position. Um, LEDs indicate which knob is active and can be powered by your pedal board's power supply or an optional EHX 9.6 DC 200 MA PSU. So I wonder if it works, if everything but the LEDs work when it's passive. <clears throat> I don't, and also I think you would be absolutely bonkers and borderline legendary if you were to use an entire wall wart <laughs> just to pedal, just to power this little uh, control knob. That's actually really, really funny. Oh, it comes with a, a six foot TRS cable. Included in the $40. Yeah, that's kind of insane. But I think, and Andrew, I could be completely wrong. Um, I think it's because the LEDs light up to show you which which um, setting you're on. Right. And I think that's why it can't, why it's not passive. So I wonder if everything else might work. I I, I wonder. I would definitely yeah. prefer it that way. So the reason why I want it to be passive is uh, like adding and a TRS cable to the board right now would be very doable. I don't have any extra power slots though. And I don't want to have to add, um, and I know like, <laughs> so I said, gonna... like, is there like a thing that does like a one to two kind of like a mini daisy chain thing? Um, probably. I don't know. I, I don't want to have to go and undo all the, the cabling I did for that. Uh, where the expression pedal is currently sitting, I did actually run um, an extra uh, barrel power barrel over there. So there's a there's an unclaimed power um, cable sitting right underneath that. That's already wired up in case I wanted to swap out the um, swap out the expression for a pedal. So I did build that in when I think ahead when I was wiring everything up. But I've got the enough space for a mini pedal sitting right over above my tuner and compressor, but I don't have, I, I don't have, wait a minute. I'm using the TU3. I'm using the TU3. Yeah. Which has a loop out. I, I could totally just loop instead of running power all the way back to the power supply. I could just loop out of the tuner. Why yeah, did I? Totally. Oh, there we go. Beautiful. Especially Chef's if it's tip. just for an ex, like an expression doodad. Yeah. Well, shoot, dang. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's the winner. Yeah, I think the right. only way I would, the only way you I would want it to be like completely passive and not have LEDs is if it was a physical toggle that I would reach down and like go between the two. You know, I think I would like, it, to, visually know. I would like right. to visually know. I think 
that means I might just have to uh, spend the $40 when that thing comes out. Yeah, I think that's probably worth it. I've got yeah, enough TRS length uh, so I can custom um, solder a cable for it. And I think I've got a couple of pancake TRS connectors left laying around. So I think I can uh, just make that happen. Nice. All right. This is like maybe the most we've talked about pedals in a hot minute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's possible. It's even mm-hmm. likely, but that's what I get for going on tangents about roller coasters and airplanes. <laughs> that now we end up talking about gear. Right. Of, uh, gear. Should we hit our sponsors? Sponsors, sponsors. Sponsors. The first sponsor is a uh, Spun Loud Effects, based out of Seattle, Washington, West Seattle, to be specific. And uh, their flagship product, the Blister and Peel version two, the V two of that. Uh, I have filmed, finally filmed that demo. I need to edit it probably today and have it out hopefully um, before this episode, definitely before this episode drops. So check out the demo of it on the oldie YouTube. I, uh, not... Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, I, I um, wow, words. I, I was trying to think of a good joke for that sponsor slot. And uh, <laughs> I, you know what? I couldn't think of a good spun for it. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that was quite loud. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was bad. Yeah, but um, it's orange, which I know appeals to Andrew. Um, I'm probably going to loan that to you because I know you're going to think it's really pretty. Loan. 2020 still has a chance to become year of the orange. You know what? Here's my theory. 2020 sucks because y'all aren't getting on board with my whole it needs to be the year of orange. You guys have defied. God, it's the year of President Orange. Dear God, that is the one thing. See, I love orange so much, but please, if there's, uh, I'm not going to say it's like the worst thing about 45, but I I really don't like what he's done to my favorite color. Just going to, you know. No. Not a (laughs) fan. There are a lot of things I don't like. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, I also pretty much dislike all presents. I don't know. Anyways. Aha. All right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, sorry about that. Uh, spun loud effects based out of Seattle, Washington, the blister and peel V2. It's a, a dual dirt pedal. And one side has goes from overdrive to octave fuzz. And the other side is a more traditional fuzz uh, with a tone control. And just like the, the, the sweep on the gain knobs is, Oh, I love it. I love it when, when pedals, when builders aren't afraid to really just go all out with the pedal. Like, yeah, he could have stopped it. So it's just an overdrive when you do the sweep and just a smidge of fuzz when you get really into it. But instead he was like, I'm going to take this as far as I think anybody will ever want to take this. And I appreciate that. I, you can always dial back, but you can, if it doesn't have that capacity to be weird, it's never going to get weird. Fair enough. Hold I mean, I will, hey, sorry, can I try saying really quickly? Oh, Carrie, come back. Carrie, Carrie, want a cookie? Did you hear that? I did hear that. Carrie, want a cookie? Carrie, want a cookie? Bow. Bow. All right. You did it. You want a cookie? No? All right. 
Well, she got a cookie, dear listeners. Yeah, Yay, cookies. So, uh, so Sorry, you know, as cool as all the tech, as cool as all the technical stuff is, uh, and I'm sure there's a couple of listeners that might appreciate that, but by and large, the majority of them should be buying one just to appease our apocalyptic overlord gods that have said 2020 was supposed to be the year of orange. So <laughs> go buy one stuff. now. Yeah. Save yourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh. This week's episode of the Get All Set podcast is also brought to you by Parts Caster Concierge. Or how do you say that, Andrew? How do you pronounce it? So, Concierge. 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 Sorry, that was like some full force gump out of me right there. Um, <laughs> I, I don't actually know if I've ever heard like a consensus on how to pronounce that. Yeah, I don't think I have either. But um, concierge, so, concierge, urge. I, I've always done concierge, concierge. That's just. I mean, it's definitely got it. Got me thinking. Like, I remember hearing that that brand name, and I'm like, "Ooh, I don't know how to pronounce that." And you know me, and you know ambiguously pronounced brand names. Mm-hmm. I've got to think for that. So. Yeah, so he basically does kind of custom parts caster. Well, he has like a bunch of made to order bodies and they're really affordable, I think. Like $125 for an unfinished Chelly Deluxe style body. Um, and uh, I think that I am from him going to get uh, an R guitar body and then I am going to build it out. I'm really excited about it. That does sound. I want to build a guitar. You know what I want to build is I want to build a strat sometime. Maybe I'll have to go to this uh, guitar caster concierge feller. And, yeah. Uh, get, get some strat stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um. But it's it's looks pretty cool. Um. I think it's a great idea, and it seems really affordable. He basically charges uh, for custom stuff. It looks like he charges fifty bucks. Uh, to do the layout, and then uh, he'll also include, like, a parts list, uh, easy-to-follow wiring diagrams, um, and he's based out of uh, Muncie, Indiana, so he's a little, he's a Midwesterner. Oh, that reminds me of um, Jerry from Parks and Rec. He's like, oh, we're going to go out of town. Where are you going? Oh, we're going to go spend the weekend in Muncie. <laughs> Oh, Parks and Rec is so good. I know it really is. It looks cute just looking at a YouTube. I I mean, a picture on Google. But Midwestern cities, I I think, are just kind of cute to like hang around someplace that's not like your house. Like Rick and I are taking a whole week off at the end of this month from like all of our job job stuff, um, just to kind of like unwind like spend some time hanging out with each other without like worrying about work to and get some you guys are probably around. gonna fly out to muncie exactly we're going to go to muncie because i need to pick up this guitar body in person no um we might like do an airbnb for a couple days up north or something um and then make a break for canada just kidding uh no, but just like like we bought this house three years ago almost, and there's still and we've just been so busy and overwhelmed since that we haven't taken the time to like get together and just both of us working 
to like organize some stuff, go through things, get a big donation pile going. Um, yeah. So it's just like these pro like we've done a lot of projects to be fair. Like we got our patio looking just beautiful. Uh, we have art on the walls, um, but just some of the unpacking mostly just never really happened. And at this point, like if there's things that I haven't looked for in the past three years, I've probably just outmoved them. Yeah, that's that's true. I think what what Rick really wanted to do is he heard about somebody who put this guy put everything he owned into boxes, and as he needed things, he would take them out of the boxes. And at the end of the year, if he hadn't used, if there were things he hadn't used, he just got rid of them. That is um, Marie Kondo, Kondo ishness. It's it's like almost a more aggressive Marie Kondo because <laughs> he wasn't even like, well, this brings me joy. Or well, it's like a more joy. passive aggressive because it's like a very passive way of doing it, but then ends very aggressively. It's like college roommates. Yeah. And oh, at the end of the God. year, you decide you don't want to live with your roommates again. You're like, yeah, I found other people to live with. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, you needed the extra person so you could afford to go to here. Yeah, you're poor. That's not my problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, some people just aren't fun to live with. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, those are those are our sponsors. Check them out, and the sh- I have links in the show notes. Um, really exciting. Tell me, tell me what color I should make the R body, which is I think I think it's just such a weird wild shape. I I'm like not. I sure think it deserves much- a a wild color. Something bold, something appropriate for the year 2020. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to make it orange. Absolutely. You should do competition orange with a red racing, a couple of red racing stripes. That would be the, like, honestly, that would be a really cool, like, vintage mashup between the R body and Fender aesthetic. I think that would actually be super sick. Mm hmm. Well, that's if you if it was your guitar, you could do that. <laughs> I'm just saying, if, if 2020 continues to get worse, it's all your fault now. Listen, I I actually was kind of one thinking about maybe I I don't know if there are places that like the places you would go to like I don't know I don't know I would love to do like metallic on this, but I don't know where like I don't know how I would do that or where I would send it. Uh, I mean, I know. Doug Cower does a lot of phenomenal metallic finishes. It might be worth reaching out and be like, hey, how would I do that? Probably with tools that he has that I don't have access to. Uh, I mean, you I might know. be. So, I've read a couple of ways to do DIY stuff. I have to find the articles, but I think it's like a base layer coat, and then you mix in like your metallic um, like flakes with like a clear coat. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I was also thinking maybe like those really thin kind of paint finishes where you can still see the grain underneath a little bit. Oh yeah. 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 I think usually that's kind of like a, a, usually it's kind of like a white color in it. Uh, Yeah. I mean like um, blonde or white uh, for like the old fender stuff. Yeah. That can be pretty popular. Like reds. I've seen reds with that too. I can look, that can also look really great in orange. Um, A ceruse finish, perhaps, depending on the, uh, what, I forget exactly what kind of wood it is. 
Well, I have uh, rested my case, and I now have a scapegoat for everything that goes wrong for the rest of 2020. So I would say my work here is done. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> yeah. So you're you 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 the blame will be on me. I don't. It's going to make me very sad, and I don't like. To, it's got me feeling anxious now. So maybe we should just talk about the topic, but or, or maybe first we should uh, promote our Patreon program. Uh, I mean, I suppose we could. It's possible. Yeah. Likely, yeah. even. Likely. Suggested. Uh, we're on Patreon. Did you know? I I heard something about that. Did you know we're on Patreon? Uh, I think you 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 might have mentioned it once or twice before. That sounds familiar. Did did I mention the Patreon.com slash get offset? You might not have gotten into that much detail, but you also could have. I'm not really sure. <laughs> So we have a Patreon if you like the show and want to help support us um, and take some anxieties away from us and maybe in a way contribute to the growth of like the YouTube channel, especially because people do send me a lot of pedals, but like all the pedals I talked about today, other than the ones that Andrew loaned me, I did buy with my own money. So I still see something I like. Sometimes I reach out to the builder. Sometimes they send it to me. Sometimes I just buy it. Because I want to support the builder. So, um, in financial ways. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the things that the Patreon helps us out with. It also helps out with the, the website costs, um, the, the podcast hosting costs and, uh, just kind of the, the time, the time costs of, uh, making this, this podcast, um, and the YouTube channel happen. Sold. You got, where, where do I give money? Patreon.com slash get offset link in the show notes. All right, here we go. Can you hear the keys? Yes. Was that was that good like ASMR marketing? I hear that's all the rage now. Y- yes. <laughs> I think that would count. It might have to be slower. Just the sound of a page turning or wrestling. Paper wrestling. Somebody rubbing their finger on the microphone is another one, I think. Um, but uh, we also, if you don't, if you love the show channel, want to support it uh, subs- without you know having to spend money because not everybody has disposable income right now, um, subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review on iTunes. Those really, really help uh, push us to, to a bigger audience. And also uh, leave comments on YouTube that tell Emily why she's wrong, but make sure that you're actually wrong. Give her a chance to call you out and then we could just pure comedy gold in the comment section. That, that would be really, <laughs> like just set it up just intentionally. So you, it would look bad, but it's actually great fun for everybody else. Andrew, maybe you should start doing that on every video. Tell me why I'm factually wrong about one thing that I'm actually factually right about. That could be fun. Maybe I will. Maybe I should make oh I should make a fake YouTube account and start doing that. But then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you it's my account. I'm gonna see how long it'll take for you to block my fake account. I don't block the accounts unless they like make comments about my tits, to be honest. Well, I don't think I could bring myself to do that even on a fake I account. I would appreciate I would appreciate you not not doing that. But uh... But I think it could be a fun challenge without overstepping into the creepy boundary to see if I can get you to block a fake account. Now, see, what I just did is I'm not actually going to create a fake account, but that just pretty much gave everybody else license to harass you. 
<laughs> and then blame it on me. It's like, like, no, that. That, that, that was definitely Andrew. That's his fake account. Yeah. He's actually got uh, 30 fake accounts. It's, it's wild how he keeps up with that. Wow. It started as a joke and then it became real, basically. This is just turning into a wild rabbit hole of like manipulative socio something politics. I don't know. Well, let's get into the rabbit hole. That... George Soros. Um, let's get into the, the potential rabbit hole that is uh, this link that you sent me. Intellectual property. Everybody just clicked out. Uh, 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 I think, okay, so if, if you are like, IP, intellectual property, it's boring. Like, it's fine to think it's boring, but this, like, like I, I, I think this, just keep listening. I think you might think it's interesting. It's, I think it's more interesting than people pretend it is. No, I think it's super fascinating, and that's why I'm talking about it. Um, if you don't think intellectual property should exist, uh, if you're like that like heavy level libertarian, then you just, you just hate small businesses. So moving forward, diesel is an amp company and their new amp head has some soft. So it's like a, it's a tube amp head, but it's got some digital interface kind of uh, along the same veins of like analog heart, digital brain. And so this is really cool amp. It's got all kinds of stuff in it, but it has a special feature and it knows when it's been profiled. Oh, that's, that'd be like a book knowing if you took a, a, like a a photocopy of it. Right. Right. So, so here's, so if you, you might ask yourself, what is profiling? Profiling is specific to another unit, uh, another amp head, a digital amp head called the Kemper profiler. Uh, And there's a couple different variations on it, but what it's known for is it's not a modeling amp. Modeling amp is where you build it out in the software and so on and so forth, and then you've got your amp, your digital amp. Profiling is where you literally connect it to a microphone in front of someone like a different amp, and you kind of just run through that amp settings and record it as well, well as you can. And now you've got a functional profile that's interactive, that's literally using all the data pulled from the front of that other amp. Like a photocopy. Right. It, it's much right. more akin to a photocopy than like, Oh, like if we're going with a book analogy, like modeling would be like, okay, I read this book and I'm going to rewrite as much of that book as I can yeah, and try and get the words to match up versus like just flat out photocopying it. Now it's, it's not photocopying the amp itself. It's, it is just photocopying the, uh, the mic uh, yeah. signal. So you can play with different mic placements to get different right. sounds. Yeah. So it's super cool. Uh, and so theoretically what you could do is you could put, um, you could plug in this, the diesel VHX head into a cab, mic it up, and then profile it with a Kemper profiler. Now, I want to see more about how the software works, but the feature means it's going to be like, yeah, I know it's profiled and it's going to like log it kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, and now so, people are wondering what this means. Like, like why would you care? Well, there are a couple of reasons I can imagine people caring. I mean, like, I think the the one that I saw the most was the idea that if you buy it, just to profile it and then return it, that you can't return it. Yep. I definitely have seen people do that with amps before, uh, where they just, you go to the Guitar Center or whatever your local store is, you buy a really, really nice amp, like three, four, five grand, whatever. Uh, you take it home for the weekend, you profile it. 
and then you return it, say, oh, it wasn't really for me. But now you've got all of that profile on your Kemp, on your Kemper for free. You just had to loan out three grand for the weekend and you've got it back in your bank account by Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. That's, and you probably get to keep the credit card points. Right. So, yeah. I mean, and I can see that being a problem because I, it, I, I'm sure there are examples of other things that you can, I, you know, I don't know if there are. Cause like if you bought a CD at a store new and then you took it home and you ripped it to your computer back when that was the thing that people did, you couldn't return the CD because you already opened it. If you buy a book and then try to photocopy every page of that book, one, that's extremely time consuming. And why would you do that? And two, you're going to like break the binding on the back of the book a little bit and uh, you can't probably return it then. I can't think of a lot of products where you really can take it, make a copy and then return it. Like essentially like treat it like a library. So this is important to note before we get too much farther. Uh, Diesel did make a clear in press release that it's not intended, like they, they directly said it's not intended as an opposition or a deterrent um, to, to Kemper. So they're not, it's not going to stop you from profiling it. All it's going to do is log, oh, I was profiled this time and date kind of a thing. It's not going to stop the user in the process of trying to profile. So they don't have a problem with getting profiled necessarily because that's the thing. Like uh, that's so helpful for so many reasons. Uh, like Kemper, the, like one of the great applications for Kemper is if you got like, sorry, if you, if you're an amp aficionado and you've got all these really nice amps and you like the idea of, uh, and you want to, you want all those sounds on the road, but you don't want to have to pay for all the road cases and all the, the gas and the travel fees for your special collection is you could just, you know, digitally take it with you in these profiles on the road. And Kemper is good enough to where it, sensibly that's what all you would need for an entire tour you have these digital files you're good to go it's a it weighs like 20 pounds for a head or something like that i mean wendy melvoin from the revolution does that when when the revolution tours and she says it saves them thousands of dollars oh yeah so none of this is bagging on kemper just we're completely clear i think kemper rocks i think kemper has a really great product i've played through several kempers i've enjoyed it every single time and at some point, I'm probably going to cave and end up getting one myself. But so that's not what this is directly about. I think this is more geared towards the uh, um, profile and return kind of schemes that a lot of people try to pull on, whether it be Guitar Center or, or um, Sam Ash or your your Mon Pa shop. I mean, it does happen more frequently than any of us might realize. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm surprised at how much it happens, but. I would guess kind of it happening at all, like, isn't, isn't great, but, um, I, and I, I understand that right now they're saying that they don't want to prevent people from, it's not going to be like a, a modeling blocker, right? but, um, like I, I can imagine that someone eventually, some other builder taking a similar technology and potentially doing that. But it looks like it says it could also be employed as a means to log which settings and channels have been profiled, making it easier for users to capture a full spectrum of tones. So it could actually help the person who's doing the profiling, it seems like. That feels like a reach, if I'm being honest. I mean, I get that. So like the the diesel VHX has a whole bunch of different amps in it. And then within that, you know, a whole bunch of settings. So theoretically, sure, if you got like the however many different settings and you want to work your way through them, you could log it that way. 
that just feels really inefficient. You'd be like, okay, I just finished one up. Now I'm going to menu dive to figure out which one I just modeled so I know what to do next. Like, why not just write? I feel like that if you're trying to work your way through the whole amp and model the whole thing front to back is you would just, I mean, just write it down on a piece of paper. Like, maybe that's archaic of me to, to say in, in a digital age, but that just sounds so much more efficient for this particular application. So I feel like that's kind of a reach or a justification. Maybe I'm just being arrogant here, but it does feel very pointed towards the sort of uh, profile and return scenario. Yeah, it does. I wonder I wonder if how Diesel, like, how they're going to use the information that they get. Because, because like, obviously, I would imagine that, that there could be some potentially some good R&D for them to be like, okay, so here are the settings that people seem to be profiling the most. Maybe, but that's assuming that they've got a way to collect that data backwards. Because not a lot of people are necessarily going to go plug in uh, like when they're they're profiling it, they're not going to necessarily plug that amp back into the into internet facing network, and then for Diesel to pull that and that data remotely. Yeah. I mean, it's well, yeah, possible they're living in that kind of a digital like next level um, data mining level. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to rule that out. But That's interesting. Yeah, who knows? So it just seems mostly like it's because that that does feel it feels a little like theft, to be honest, to just like borrow it with like a deposit, basically putting down a deposit to take it home, take all the tones and then return it. Like, I, I mean, I don't think that's a nice thing to do. No, I don't think that's that's super great. Um. I'm sure there's some people that would disagree with that and say, well, I mean, that's, you're not technically doing anything wrong. And I'm like, sure. Technically you're working with the, the return policy. And unless the return policy has something specific about profiling, sure. Uh, there's not technically anything wrong with that. Kemper is a perfectly legal and a great tool for musicians. So there's also nothing technically wrong with that. I think this falls into the yeah. technically right morally. Nah, dog. That's going to be a no for me. But how could they, so now I kind of wonder, since it doesn't seem like Kemper is in its existence, is is stealing anyone's intellectual property, I feel like this product would not exist if if that were the case. So can stores then say that if you profile it, you can't return it? Like, would that be, I feel like that could potentially open them up to some sort of court case. Possibly, but I mean, if you include that as part of the... uh terms and conditions of the sale, then, I mean, you have to agree to it when you you buy it. But people, uh, but those terms and conditions can be found to be illegal. Sorry, you just cut out what? Uh, Terms and conditions can be found to be illegal. Right. Uh, What, (coughs) excuse me. I mean, sure, maybe some blues lawyer is going to spend 30 grand and 50 grand in court to push this big amp company uh, or whatever retailer into being bullied into allowing that return for whatever amp or for the, this $4,000 amp that they bought for the weekend. Maybe that feels so incredibly that I I don't, maybe I'm naive. I just don't see that happening. I mean, if some lawyer comes around and looks at these terms and conditions and is like, 
no, these these ain't right, then that person could do all the work themselves. Still got to front all the money for court fees. And I mean, I guess if they're a lawyer themselves and they want to take that on, they could, but they're not going to do that in the free time. They're probably going to do that through their place of business. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my, Oh, my cat's playing with, with a, some light on the wall and it's pretty cute. No, it's really, really cute. I would definitely say going and suing a uh, a mom pa shop or even guitar center for wanting to uh, protect their return policy and make sure that they're not take, being taken gross advantage of. I think that's perfectly legitimate, and I, I I would take issue with anyone who would want to take them to court or complain about that kind of thing. Like, come on, man. Yeah, but I think we all understand how aggressively unreasonable and rude people can be i mean people won't wear a mask in public because my my rats but like why would we think that they would be like oh yeah well just because you can doesn't mean you should for uh, profiling and then returning and so so the question that i'm sure that would come up in at this point in the conversation is okay cool but i have a kemper and i want to get these these diesel sounds out of my kemper and diesel has some really phenomenal sounds they're they're well known for a reason and they're cherished by a whole range of, of players, um, especially on the heavier end of things. So the, that becomes a question. And I'd be willing to bet that those profiles are like you, someone else has already done profiles on the originals of these amps that you could totally just purchase instead of having to like borrow for the weekend. So people who own the amp like studios and whatnot, who've put together profiles of this kind of stuff, just buy the profile. I mean, that that allows pe- money to get circulated in a proper way for the industry. That means the people who actually own the amps are able to to monetize monetize off the amps that they've got. You're not screwing out your local mom and pa shop, and you're not screwing out the amp builder. I actually didn't realize that you could buy Kemper profiles because I've never looked into Kemper profiles. I know you can download them. Really? Yeah. yeah I mean, I just Googled oh. Kemper Profiles, and here's Kemper Profiles on sale today. Metal Murder Volume 1, pack and more. Oh, wow. Metal Murder. <laughs> so you get Jazz Profile. Interesting. Kemper Profiles for Worship. I mean, they're like it, 15 bucks. Yeah. 15 bucks, and you get like a range of amps. So why are we going through? Why are you lent? going through the process of trying to screw a local mom and pa shop out of having to deal with your sale and then return and making the poor sales guy feel super down and out when he thought you had a $4,000 sale only to come back on Monday. I mean, why? That just feels like the epitome of selfishness when these exist all over the internet for really low prices where you get to support people. And I know I'm always going to bang the hammer of like, please support people in the industry. That's important. And people are going to feel entitled to like, well, it's my money. I can do what I want with it. And this whole thing feels like a scam. And sure, I grant that there's some gray area in this. This is the stance I'm willing to uh, willing to take. And I feel pretty strong about them. Yeah. Knowing that you can buy literally diesel profiles, like a pack of them for 15 bucks. I'm like, why even go through like the time and energy of 
buying it in a like that just like going to the store buying it doing it yourself doesn't seem worth it when you can buy it something for fifteen dollars but it feels like you're doing something dirty therefore it's more fun oh that is know. exciting <laughs> it's like shoplifting but you're not actually shoplifting but that's a good point that you're stealing a potentially enormous commission from somebody who really relies on that it's like or, or it's, you're it's, giving it's that commission nice on bad faith yeah I mean, it's like going to a restaurant and ordering a bottle of wine and making that, that server's day because a bottle of wine means bigger tip and then not tipping on it. I mean, sure. I mean, there's a lot of different analogies we could we could throw in this, but that's kind of more or less the uh, it's the end of my thought process. I f- this feels relatively cut and dry as far as gray areas go for me. Uh, I, I like what I do like what Diesel's done here. Uh, Blake Weiland uh, from the Tome Mob did bring up a good point on one of the posts that he, uh, I think it was over in the Tome Mob, that he wonders if this software uh, might get licensed out. And I think that's a really fascinating idea. If there's mm-hmm. a way to include this, even just as, as a software like component added to an analog amp, even uh, for some high-end amp builders, just, you know, I, I could see I could see this being integrated in a, in a range of technology if they license this out, and I think that's a fascinating idea as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally! Licensing is always really, really interesting. Um, and this doesn't seem like the kind of technology that you would have to have like a competitive advantage over other brands, really. So, yeah, if if it like, I feel like it's not, like, like, if the technology was something that, like, other users would want, then, yeah, keep it for yourself. But it just doesn't seem to be that kind of technology. I can absolutely see them essentially doing their own little B2B business, selling this to other ant manufacturers, totally. Sure. And to that, I would say I applaud you. By all means, go for it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's more or less all I have on the topic. I don't know if you have any questions, thoughts, comments, concerns. Not really. This isn't really my uh, forte. This is kind of like definitely more of uh, the the world that you understand as someone who actually worked in a guitar store for a number of years and saw this kind of thing happen and is more aware of profiling. It's so nice to talk about profiling and have it not be like in a human rights violation kind of context. (laughs) oh my god that's so true black lives matter right definitely 1000 percent. actually at this moment i'm wearing my my uh, cat magic punks shirt that says cat lovers against white supremacy i am wearing my metaverse make noise not war shirt oh yeah i gave you that didn't i you did and i rather like it what color oh it's gray isn't it that's why it is gray it's gray and enormous, right? Uh, enormous for some. It fits about oh. snug for me. Wait, I'm sorry. It was a, was it like a, I don't, remember, I don't remember your shirt size, but I just remember it not being my shirt size. And also I sweat too much to wear gray shirts. I, I can't comment about my own sweat patterns and now I'm very <laughs> self-conscious. No, don't be. I just, I get anxiety sweats, I think, but uh, I sweat a lot. I don't wear deodorant every day anymore. I just, I, I now have this picture of like a dude with a ball cap and sunglasses sitting in 
his truck, like with like, you know, the selfie uh, video record kind of rant and just imagine it opening up. So I was profiling someone this week, uh, it, something this weekend. It was an amp. <laughs> I'd be like, wait a minute. That's not where I saw this going. Yes. The dudes ranting in their truck videos. Why? Why is it always in like a truck in a car? Like also, why are you doing this while you're driving? No, nah, they're usually parked. Are they? Oh, so they're just like bored in their car and mad about something and decide to decide this is what the world needs to hear is my opinion. I mean, there's so many different ways you could take with trying to explain that phenomenon. Uh, I mean, you could talk about how like truck is a status symbol. Uh, you could take it the, the borderline slash outright misogynistic route of they're waiting for their wives to get done with target uh, and have nothing better to do. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I've heard a number of different ways to explain that phenomenon. They probably are waiting for somebody to get out of the Target. Or Walmart or whatever convenience retail situation that they've got. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe they don't actually have a job, but they needed to get out of the house because they were too scared to tell their, their partners that they got fired. And so now they're just Aww. pretending to go to work. Oh, that's so sad. I think that's a perfectly emasculating response to those videos. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, they're bad. They're bad. They they're can't always bad. terrible. I I want to see the one that's just like the, the hippie, like the, the guy with the, the big burly dude, dude with the Fu Manchu mustache. And then he just says a lot of really profound things in his truck instead of just angry ranting. I think that would be wholesome. That would be and wholesome. If I had a truck, I would consider doing that. We have, I call our SUV the truck. I don't know why. I I want a truck at some point. I but... used to, my, my, my dad used to have it just like a little Ford F-150, but we live in the country, so he'd actually use it for like picking up stuff and hauling it. <laughs> I would love a Ford F-150 with a camper shell. We just absolutely Ooh, love yes. that. Yes, the camper shell. That's what I want. Like, I just, that's what I want. But I'm never going to have it, probably, because it doesn't make sense. I don't want to own a second car. You speak for yourself. I well, I like multiple cars. I mean, you have a family, though. Like, you have a kid. And it, so I think it's more important to have two cars so that nobody's, like, with the kid without a car. Well, I mean, there's, and we've also got my mom listed to this, too. So multi-generational family living where pre-COVID we all had jobs that were out and about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, pre-COVID. I'm... Pre-COVID, six years ago in January. Oh, God, six years ago in January. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my God. COVID's in wild. I, I'm loving seeing all the people complain about how they can't breathe in their masks. And oh, no, you should see a doctor about that, honey. <laughs> I'm like, wait, so you're going to tell me that you're going to not exercise at all, put on 20 to 30 pounds after sitting down watching Tiger King reruns for the last six months and then you're going to put on a mask and then blame the mask for why you're breathing heavily gotcha yeah. i see how it is meanwhile i went for a run in a mask last week i didn't like it don't get me wrong like it wasn't that's why i run at home on the treadmill because like i don't want to have to wear a mask outside when i'm running so yeah garage treadmill run i'm getting pretty pretty good speeds though so on my not as fast as you, obviously, at your prime. 
At my prime. Definitely not now. At my prime. I mean, I'm not 20 years old right anymore. I don't weigh what I weighed when I was 20, and I'm not as fast as I was. Actually, I'm faster. I'm faster now. Than I have ever been. But not as fast. I once saw Rick uh, finish a 5K in, like, 22 minutes. Nice. He was, he's very fast. He, he loves That's that respectable. It's like he, I think he came in like third. <laughs> I think it was very respectable. <laughs> it was like one of those like Cinco de Mayo 5Ks where it's just most people take it as an excuse to like get a t shirt and get a couple free beers. Tecate. Tecate. That's probably what it was. Cerveza. Gonna get drunk with that- the homies. I've heard the Tecate is the best uh, beer to use for, like, beer battering things. That's entirely possible. I don't have an opinion on that. (laughs) There's this Mexican restaurant near my house called Tacos and Beer, and their beer-battered fish tacos are just transformative. As beer-battered fish tacos should be. Oh, so good, so good, so good. All right, well, I think... uh, I think we've done it. All we want to say. I think, yeah, I think we've cracked the code. (laughs) We have We have accomplished what we set out to accomplish. Our goals have been reached. Uh, I would say this is one of the 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 most accomplished Saturday mornings I've had in a while. Yeah, same, 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 same. Cool. I can't promise that I'll be accomplished the rest of the day. I might just sit around and do nothing. But you know. I'm, I'm okay. going to sit down and I'm going to try to film demos with the rest of your pedals. I am very afraid of the data corruptor, to be honest. I think I might oh. just do like kind of a reaction. I'm just going to do like a reaction video of that one. I'm yes. Not gonna, it's not going to be like, and here's what the settings do. It's going to be like, I'm going to sit down with this without the manual. And I mean, this pedal's been out for long enough that like there are demos probably of somebody like going through and showing you what it does. I just kind of. Oh, want- I love that pedal so much. I just like, I just want to play around with it and not worry about doing something that's even vaguely educational because, wow, it's just, it's so scary. The one thing I will tell you, and the only thing I'm going to tell you so you have a full reaction, is the uh, the, the level nub. Unity is at like nine o'clock. Really? Yeah, so just be aware. That's um, loud, huh? It will get loud very fast. So before you uh, break anything, just be aware. <laughs> break my neighbor's patience. All right. Well, uh, I think that's all we've got. Thank you for listening and thank you for understanding. My name is Andrew. And I'm Emily. Bye. Bye. Bye.